For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. After the unfinished business of last week, it's two up top this evening once more, and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been since we spoke a week ago? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Dan. It's kind of one week up, one week down again, isn't it, at the moment? So, I think we, again, we need another therapy session, which hopefully tonight will bring us. Fingers crossed. That also means you're joined by James in my full strength lineup this evening. James, how have you been in these past seven days? Yeah, a bit of a familiar feel uh, to, to the podcast this evening, Dan. Uh, a little bit of a downer on Tottenham, but other than that, everything's very well. Hope you are too, buddy. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I had a good Easter, eating far too much chocolate, so let's try and burn off some calories from an audio point of view tonight. Right, before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming You Spurs app where the podcast will be available usually each and every Tuesday morning. It will be available on Wednesday this week as a bank holiday. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C-O-Y-S underscore C-O-M and we're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, let me know and I'll sort that out for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Carl... Well, the more opportunities there are to take advantage of slips elsewhere, the more we fail to do so. It's another in a long line of good Saturday, shall we say, bad Sundays. But could this one be the most costly of all? Yeah, as you say, Dan, who who could have predicted something like that? You know, everyone's slipping up and gives Tottenham a chance to kind of set a marker, um, pick up some momentum and, you know, can we do it as usual? the answer is more often than not, isn't it? It comes to, no, we can't really take advantage the way we need to. Um, and I think, as you've rightly said there, to be honest, I think this one is really the one that, for me, I think puts the final now in any top four hopes um, this season. And unfortunately, you kind of get the impression from it here on in, my worry is, is that the season just kind of starts slipping away as each week goes now. Um, I hate to say it, but, you know, given the fact we've got a cup final, I- I'm not even excited by the prospect of that cup final coming up, given the way we're playing. Um, you know, I only fear that that is going to turn into a bit of a humiliation on the day. Um, and it really, yeah, that result has really knocked the wind out of everyone's sails, I think, because you just felt if we could get three points there, given the teams had slipped up, it would have only put us in fourth potentially for one day. But knowing that you're there and you've got the points on board and the momentum going again, you kind of would have picked up a bit of confidence. But now again, I think we're looking, thinking, hmm, I don't rate our chances. Um, And given some of the sort of, you know, what can I say, stuff that Mourinho had said about certain players not making it, I'm sure we might get into that later on and the fact that, you know, we saw certain players were there when he said they weren't. Again, it just starts leaving you with this feeling that things are not going the right way. Well, I think had we been fourth going into that game and drawn at Newcastle and other teams had only slightly eroded the gap that we may have had, 
then you'd think, okay, we're still in the driving seat. But the fact that we're playing catch-up anyway, and we've spoken before, you know, over the last couple of weeks regarding the fact that really we need to win pretty much everything. There's no real margin for error in terms of drop points. So to play catch-up, drop points, it's only made things worse, really. And James, because of that, you know, you are at the table the day before. We all are guilty of it. And you think, okay, right, this is it. This is the week when finally we get things back on track and then everything becomes in our hands. Why, as a club, are we continually failing to take advantage of such gifts? Now, without using lazy answers such as Spursy or bottling, do you think there's a mentality issue within this current group of players or are there simply some rotten eggs who just don't fancy it? Well, I, I was, I was, the B word was on the tip of my tongue. You know, uh, we are, we are serial bottlers, and and I think that what that comes down to, it has to be the mentality of the players. You know, um, this is a team that has consistently had opportunities to to prove themselves, um, and almost every single time we've been let down. Um, you know, every single time we go into a game knowing that you know this game can put us into the top four, this game can. Uh, you know, put us into the next round of a cup, and it's and it's a, a big game where there's some remnants of pressure on us. Uh, we it seems to it seems to all go downhill, and you know, it's it's the difference between the the good teams is that they 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 win and they win easily, and then when they don't win, when they're not playing well, they win ugly. And this this Tottenham team doesn't seem to have the ability to do either. Um, it doesn't seem to have the ability to, to to brush aside teams that that we have substantial quality over. You know, if if there was one team that you wanted to pick uh, a, a game against in order to to, to boost your confidence uh, and to to go into the top four, you'd you'd pick Newcastle. That that club is in in a complete array. Uh, and when you look at the starting eleven of of that team. You know there is absolutely nothing in 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 that team that you would be you'd be worried about. You know your you Joe Linton, your Matt Ritchie, your you Almiron. These are players who have consistently not uh, not threatened any team in the league. Uh, you know if it was Callum Wilson and Sam Maximan, then you you might be a little bit worried, but they weren't there. That's a, that's a completely uninspiring Newcastle team. And then you look at the Tottenham team; it's full of supposed talent. It's it's the the midfield combination that we've we as fans have wanted to see for for a long time, you know, La Celso and Dombele and Hoiberg, uh, and it, it, again we just we've just proven that that we can't cope with with any kind of pressure, even if it even if that pressure is a two one lead against a team that that have abs, you know absolutely no attacking threat whatsoever, um, the our ability to to, to handle pressure. You know, in general, in and when we're actually on the ball as well, you know, you look at look at the way that Sanchez has, has dealt with the ball for that first goal. You know, there's there seems to be no identity to this side. We don't know whether we're a possession team. We don't know whether we're a counter attack team. You know, we seem intent on this low block, but that you know, when we get the ball, there's no kind of pattern to, to the way we want to play. Uh, and you know. I, you're not Spurs if you don't really expect this nowadays. You know every opportunity we have to to make up some ground. It's not something that clubs around us are doing because you know a lot of the clubs around us are doing their level best to 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 bottle it too. Um, but at the moment, you know you just you just wouldn't expect Tottenham to to pull something out of the bag or to to win a game 
that, that we're expected to win because we should. We when was the last time we we really brushed a, a team aside? We might have a few freak results where where Sonny and Harry turn up and we and we uh, put a team to bed. But when was the last time you really looked at this Tottenham team and thought? We have played that team off the park. We've never looked like conceding and we've never looked like dropping the three points. It it, it just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, and, and I put that down to, yes, absolutely, Dan, the mentality of the players. Um, you know, don't they must be affected about uh, of what's happened at the club over the last, you know, however many years we seem to have bottled everything. And also the, the fact that this Mourinho team has got absolutely no identity whatsoever. There seems to be no... No structure to play at all, and and it doesn't look like things are going to change. And I'm in the same boat as Carl. I'm, I'm absolutely dreading almost every game at the moment, and that includes looking ahead to to what should be, a, you know, a great occasion in the cup final. I'm I'm not looking forward to it. I, I thought it was funny, Dan, wasn't it? Because during the international break, you know, you are sitting there, aren't you, thinking, oh, this is half boring. You know, England playing dead rubbers, and you are thinking, oh, I can't wait for club football to be back. And then within sort of half hour of club football being back, you're looking, thinking, when's your next international break coming <laughs> up again? Because um, I quite fancy this, because there, there wasn't none of this during that break. Um, but one of the, see, see, for me on that mentality thing, I, I think some of it, there is an element of mentality, but I really think the biggest issue there is the quality. Because don't get me wrong, let's take Davinson Sanchez, for example. I don't question... There's there's a mentality that the guy wants to do well. The trouble is you can have all the desire and all the heart you want. If you ain't good enough when you've got the ball at your feet passing it or you ain't good enough making decisions around when do I go to tackle, when do I stand off, when should I take a risk, when shouldn't I take a risk, that's, that's what's going to kill you. You know, it's like a dog over a park, isn't it? You can throw that ball, that dog will go after it all day long with the passion you've never seen. But it can't figure out when it needs to stop to get the ball at the right time. It'll always run over the ball and end up nearly falling over itself. This is what Spurs players are like. I don't, I don't doubt some of them really have got the mentality where they want to do well. They're just their footballing ability and their football brain and the ability they've got going between their ears just isn't there. And I think until you solve that, we're always on the end of these results because we just don't have the players. I mean, in that first half, every time a defender got the ball, there was a scuff clearance, a miskick. It, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? Ever since you you pointed out a couple a couple of weeks ago, Carl, the, the whole uh, attackers facing away from goal, uh, you know, no danger on the halfway line, and and somebody in this Tottenham team will go through the back of them. I I can't stop noticing it, and, <laughs> and I, I also I, I've said it many a time. I've said it on the pod as well. I, I'm completely with you, Carl. I, I look at our footballers sometimes, and I it, it's not even their football brain. I do genuinely question their intelligence because. You know, I just I, I I can't see why they would do some of the things that they do because if they think more than one step ahead, then they're gonna surely they know that this that, you know it's only gonna end one way. If if Sanchez, for instance, thinks that if I hack this ball straight up the line, well their defenders are gonna head that straight back and then we're gonna be on the back foot straight away. You know why would you do that? It, 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 and if again going back to the free kicks thing, if I go through the back of this player now. It's the 21st century. 21st century footballers 
they'll hit the deck because there's nothing else on for him. So why would I why would I give him the opportunity to why would I go through the back of him and give him the opportunity to go down when there's nothing else on? Give them a chance over a set piece, which it, you know it's not our strength defending a set piece as well. Uh, it's to me it's just an intelligence thing, and I think we we have a, a real lack of, of proper intelligent footballers. You'd maybe put Hoiberg in the, in that bracket, um, Harry. You'd put in that bracket. Uh, and, and other than that, I've, I don't think we've got very many smart footballers at all. OK, let's stay on the topic of the defence, because I've got a bit of a theory that I want to kind of iron out between the three of us. So, Carl, I'll ask you, when you look at that performance and you look at Jose Mourinho's MO, shall we say, it's fair to say that there'll be a change in personnel again. Now, is that the underlying problem that all this chopping and changing is stopping cohesion and... Because now defenders are going into games thinking, do you know what, I'm only one mistake away from getting the bin again. Whereas, had Mourinho just stuck with a back four by hook or by crook, injuries aside, obviously, he'd have to change, but said, look, this is my back four, I'm going to work with this back four, and I'm going to make sure that, yes, there might be issues from time to time, but we're going to iron them out. And when we do iron them out, I'm going to have an absolute rock-solid defence. So is this chopping and changing the issue, or do we not have the personnel to allow that cohesion? Yeah, I don't think it's helped Dan at all because, as you say, you know, and we—I hate to say this—but if you look at um, probably one of the most defensively successful sides um, there are, you, you've got to look back at that George Graham sort of Arsenal team, yes. haven't you? And you kind of knew it was Dixon, Winterburn, Adams, and Bold or Keown, someone like that. But it was always there was the majority of that back four. Three of them were ever presents for him, weren't they? And as you say, there was only one position that was maybe interchanged every now and then um, based on a need to change it. And those three built up such a solid relationship. They knew what they were doing. You know, the stepping up for offside is well-renowned, isn't it? You know, they knew when to go. They knew who was going to lead that. So I think there is that element, as you say, Chopping and changing every week doesn't do anyone any favours. You know, the goalkeeper, I don't think, can get any confidence in who's in front of him. One week you're playing with Davies, the next week it's Regulon. One week it's Aurier, one week it's Doherty. Um, you know, one week it's Dyer and Toby, one week it's Dyer and Sanchez, you know. And I do think that has led to a big problem because... Quite rightly, as you're saying, if you'd stuck with, a OK, my two favourite centre-halves are Toby and Dyer. My favourite right-back is Doherty. And my favourite left-back is Regulon. If you said, the only time I'm changing them, and maybe for Europa League games where you knew you probably could get away with it, Carabao Cup games or Cup games if you want to rest, but in my key games and the majority of the season, those are my back four, and as you say, Dan, as the season goes on and you start seeing things going wrong, you iron that out on the training pitch, don't you? Right, you four, get together. This is where we're going wrong. This is where we're failing. Sort it out. Get talking. You know, form relationships, form bonds. And that will, over the course of the season, I think, pay dividends. As you say, quite rightly, you know, I do feel sorry for players. It's a bit like the Deli Alley argument, isn't it? When you're suddenly putting him on in one game... And he basically knows if I don't do something spectacular in this game, chances are I don't make the following week. Players, you know, it's that same old thing, isn't it? When you're trying too hard, 
nothing happens for you. And if anything, trying too hard makes your performance go downhill. So there is something to say that, yeah, if you know, oh, if I actually miss kick one clearance, that is it. I'm going to be crucified the next week. The gaffer's probably going to say, that's it. You're not playing. That is an element of pressure that I don't think helps a side at all. Um, so, yeah, I would sit there and say we've probably shot ourselves in the foot. Joe said hasn't been able to work out his best four. You'd also sit there and say, why hasn't he been able to work that out? You know, surely this is a guy who's watching these players week in, week out, all week long in the tra- and training. You must sit there and be able to say, I trust that guy more than this guy. And I trust them three together or them four together more than anyone. That's who I'm sticking with. The fact that it's taken him so long in the season and he still hasn't found that out. You know, we've got Tanganga now at right back, who's playing reasonably well. Rondon, you'd have to say, has played well the last couple of games. You wouldn't take him out now. But I think he's got to learn. Sanchez now is is finished for me as a Spurs player. You know, that performance at the weekend will go into some of this. We might go into some of the other stuff later, which the guy didn't deserve. But that performance for me has to have cemented his last appearance in a Spurs shirt unless suddenly you get eight players go injured. And even then, I'd only be tempted to put him up front as an emergency striker at some point. But you've now got to pick a four and say, right, this is it now. Until the end of the season, I'm going with this these guys and they're going to be based now on performances and the fact that they've shown I might be able to trust them. But it is possibly something that's cost us throughout the season. And that doesn't just go defensively, does it? That works its way all through the team at the moment. You know, never had a settled midfield, never had a settled forward three, you know, with players, you know, apart from Son and Kane, they were the only two regulars you could count on. I think it has caused us a bit of a problem throughout the season. And probably, you know, like I say, hasn't helped the players at all. So, James, anything to add to that? Because it does seem that the manager has created a culture of fear, shall we say. Like I say, players think, well, you know, I can't play to the fullest confidence because I know if I make a mistake, then I'm done for, rather than, right, you know, this is my first team place, I'm going to make it solid, come and get it off me. Why do you think Mourinho likes to rile up players as he does? No one can ever really be settled. There's always this kind of, I don't know, well, there's always that scapegoat element, but there's always a kind of, like, you're in favour, you're out of favour. You don't know where you stand with him. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, to me, it's clearly a bad thing because it hasn't had the desired effect. I mean, if, if we if we isolate, say, Deli Ali, you know, at, at the start of the season, we we were all saying the exact same thing when he was not getting in the teams. Uh, he, it was it was the the Paul Pogba all over again. Mourinho is going to freeze him out. Uh, this is going to make him a stronger player because he's going to come back and he's going to uh, he's going to prove his his place in the team. Um, you know, we spoke about how how uh, Pochettino's arm round the shoulder kind of management clearly didn't work because he wasn't getting the best out of Deli Ali, uh, and then Jose Mourinho's rough, you know, rough edge might might get the best out of him. Look, if, if that's absolutely well and good, if you're going to then give Deli two or three games in the team to to to, to prove himself and at a good level as well. Because if you're, you know, if you're, especially with the type of guy, uh, the type of player he is, he's he's not the quickest player in the world. Uh, he's not going to influence a game, you know, in a in a blink of an eye. 
He's a player who's very, very smart off the ball. He's a player who's going to ghost into the right positions. Uh, and that might mean that he, he doesn't score in every game. But he now, like Carl rightly said, has gone into every game thinking, I've got to do something spectacular in this game. I've got to do something that's going to get me noticed rather than just put in an average performance, you know, or a good performance even. That won't be enough. And the Deli Ali is, is the his worst attribute in my eyes is that he tries to force things too much. It's always a flick round the corner. It's always a trick. It's always I'm I'm going to try and nutmeg the defender rather than just playing a simple pass and keeping the ball. So. You know it, the mentality of it; it just doesn't work whatsoever. Whether it works for the rest of the team, look, it's 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 not. For, Mourinho is not a new manager now. He's had a long time with this group of players. Even the new signings have been here long enough to to have, to understand what they you know what is expected of of them under Mourinho. He also had that extended break where it was constantly just training pitch drills, drills, drills. This is how we're going to play. That's something that that Poch never had, so I think it is. It's it clearly has run its course uh, in my eyes in terms of in terms of Jose and his management. I think the the arm round the not necessarily the arm round the shoulder style of Pochettino, but at least the 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 manager who gives his players a chance and and we treat the the, the bad results as a one off rather than a, a knee jerk reaction. Uh, it, it just doesn't work for me. Um, it, and it's it's difficult to see you know where we're going to go from here because I think a lot of our players have have been through the mill while they've been at Tottenham. I think a lot of them are probably thinking I don't want I don't there's too much water under the bridge at this club now. I don't want to to battle for this shirt anymore. Uh, and you can see that in some of their performances. You know I think a, probably a lot of players are, are thinking about their next move because if if Mourinho is going to be here next season. I can see, you know, a lot of our players who aren't going to be, who aren't going to want to be here with him. So it's it's a really difficult one. I think the the, the management style just does not suit the kind of club that Tottenham is. It doesn't suit the the, the kind of the, the relationship that the the players have had with with us as fans over the years. You know, we've we've loved how I I personally have loved how down to earth a lot of our players have seemed, how close to to the fans they've seemed. Uh, and that there seems to be a bit more of a void nowadays because you know we we want to be seen as you know we want to be seen as this nasty team because that's what Mourinho has, has tried to turn us into, uh, and us being more nasty on the pitch clearly hasn't hasn't had any effect on the on the results, uh, and and you know why not? Why would we continue to do that when we can? You know we can play good football with the with the talented footballers that we've got, rather than rather than just trying to, for want of a better word, trying to shit house results. You know it just it just doesn't make any sense. Well, if you think five years ago or so, without being called the People's Club, a lot more neutrals like watching Spurs. We were almost kind of media darlings for a point. Now we're kind of like nothing really, aren't we, Carl? We're kind of just there doing our football. We sometimes win. Or we lose, and we talk about it on this podcast. But in terms of Spurs' image, the glamour connected to the club, it's kind of dwindling by the week. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, obviously Jose brings a lot of that because I think, you know, obviously unless he's your manager at the time, and, and it seems to be even now that if he's your manager after, fan base don't particularly like him or like what he's doing to your club. But 
there was an element of time with Jose, wasn't there, where I always say when he first came in, he had that touch of the Brian Cluffs about him, didn't he? Where, you know, yes, he was arrogant and everything, but he was likable arrogant with it. Now that's gone and you've just got this miserable old bloke who's moaning and after time, you know, listening to him is like listening to some old rambling, you know, old aid pensioner sitting in the corner in an old people's home, isn't it? You know, just this bloke rambling, I was great once. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, mate, calm down. Um, Tries to baffle everyone with gobbledygook in his press conferences. And I think, you know, as you say, it's turned a lot of people against the club and they actually enjoy the fact that we're we're failing. I mean, you know, it, it's so hard to put your finger on. I mean, again, though, when you know, when we're saying about the Joe saying what he's done to this squad, I think you've only got to look at some of those Euro, Europa League games, haven't you? When you're pulling players off at half time, or you just score a goal, you know, and then you suddenly pulls off three players who've just had key at parts in that goal after 50 minutes, and you're sitting there thinking, well. What good is that going to do, that bloke, suddenly? And you've pulled that bloke off and kind of embarrassed him in front of the the world's media and the the world fan base. And you now seem to think that that bloke's not going to go away and sit there thinking, fuck yeah, well out of order that was what happened to me tonight. You know, I'll just score a goal and the bloke pulls me off straight away as if to make a point that you're not doing what I'm expecting you to do. Um, I just think Joe say, you know, the game passes everyone by at some point as managers. Um, and, and for me, I just feel the game has passed him by. And not only tactically or that, but I just feel in his man management style, the game has passed him by. And players don't respond to that. Some players will. Like if you look at Harry Kane, he's your ultimate professional. Um, he's probably your John Terry when Jose was at Chelsea. You know, some players, Hoiberg, He's like your Lampard. You get the impression he'd die for Jose right now um, and he wouldn't come out and say a bad word for him. The trouble is, when he was at Chelsea the first time, players were responding. Players are not responding now and he still thinks those methods of throwing them under a bus, criticising, is going to work, you know, or hauling them off in a game just as they're starting to get some momentum in their football, is going to suddenly change it. And I don't think today's players respond well to that. You know, it's not something that they don't want to be embarrassed like that. Um, and I think he's lost a lost a lot of them. You know, we won't obviously know what's going on truthfully behind the scenes. Um, but that's look at the situation this week with Aldevirald, when you know the club are posting a, a video of Sonny coming back to training to say brilliant. And you can clearly see out of Viral's in there training as well. And then Jose comes out to try and justify him not playing, saying he didn't make it back in time to do the COVID test. Does he really think that Toby's going to be sitting there going, oh, thanks, boss. Yeah, no problem. You do what you got to do. You've just made me look bad in front of the world's media. But yeah, no problem. This is great. This doesn't work like that. He's going to go home thinking... Well, that's out of order, isn't it? I never, I wasn't late back. And now he's thrown me under a bus here, but I wasn't. And that just doesn't work anymore. And I think, unfortunately, that kind of stuff is damaging the players in our squad. It's damaging the club's reputation. And I honestly do believe that they're giving him until this final. And I think this final could be the turning point where I think after that, 
if it's gone our way by some miracle, he, he stays. If it's what we all fear it could be, I think Enoch and, and Levy possibly make the move and say, sorry, this hasn't worked um, and we'll we'll look at our next our next move because I think it's so toxic. It's only the fault of Jose winning a trophy that's keeping him here at the moment. And, and that is half the fan base don't want him, half still want him because they think there's going to be a trophy, trophy in the mix. Once that trophy's gone away, I think the rest of the fan base turn as well. Well, James, what do you make of Toby or not Toby? Because why is Mourinho saying those comments, throwing him under the bus when it's created a maelstrom of nonsense, really, which doesn't need to happen, and it's only been magnified even more by the fact that Tottenham didn't win on Sunday. Had we won, this isn't really an issue, but now it is, and now we've got to deal with it. Well, I think it just goes back to, to what we were saying last week, maybe the week before. Mourinho's post-match waffle, um, it, it, it's almost like he, he talks like, like he doesn't know what the next sentence is going to be that comes out of his mouth. It, you know, that, that, maybe it was the old, the old Fergie tactic. If I say something stupid here, then the, the media will be talking about me rather than talking about my, my team's ridiculous performance. You know, remember the old, I think it was when Van Persie had that ball boot at his head and he said that oh, yeah. he could have could died. Have been, could have been killed. Against, <laughs> yeah, against Swansea. And then all of a sudden, everyone's talking about Fergie's comments rather than talking about the fact that Man United just got beaten by Swansea. You know, in in, in that respect, you think, wow, genius manager. But to me, it's, it's nothing like that. It, it just makes no sense because we're still talking about that absolute dreadful performance at the weekend. And now we're also talking about the fact that our manager seems to have, have absolutely lost the plot because he thinks that we're not, we, thinks that people aren't going to pay attention to the fact that, you know, Toby's there in training. There's there's journalists who are paid money to watch training and, and, and comment on who's there and who's not there. And more importantly, I know I know Carl touched there on how how Toby's going to be feeling coming off the back of that. He, obviously, he's going to feel like garbage now, but also. Toby has clearly got a close-knit group of mates in this squad. The, the whole squad are quite a relatively close-knit group of mates. They've all been together for, for long enough now that someone like Alderweire has, has got a lot of influence in that squad. Are they not going to take this as personally as him? They're, they're going to be pissed off that, that their mate has just been completely thrown under the bus for, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you talk about losing the dressing room, it is literally things like this that do lose you the dressing room. Because if, you know, this, look at it from, from the player's point of view. If, if, they're, if Mourinho is willing to, to throw Toby under the bus, then they're thinking, well, I'm next. If, you know, if Toby's going to get it, my mate Toby's going to get it, and then, then I'm going to be the, the next one. And, and why would anyone, why would Toby put the, put the shirt back on now and try and play for Mourinho after he's just done that for him? I, I, it is baffling, um, and I, I think you know what what we said earlier. The, the game has just passed the guy by. His his style of management might have worked, uh, you know, back in the day when rightly so. Paul says your, your Zanetti's, your John Terry's, your Carvalho's players that that wanted to 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 die for the shirt because they they believed in in what you were what what rubbish you were peddling. It, it doesn't work now. These these players, they're, they're superstars. They they are themselves, um, you know, celebrities. They probably fair enough. They probably have egos. 
they have their own ideas and and you have to work with that it's part of the game you, you if you lose one of those players it's likely that you're going to lose lose the rest of the dressing room so it's part of of being a manager is is managing these these boys off the field uh, and if if you can't do that and if you're going to if you're going to uh, you know throw, throw each and every one of them systematically under the bus and then turn around and question why it is uh, that they're not playing for you, then I'm sorry, but you've absolutely lost your head. I mean that 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 post-match interview, not just the Toby thing. I mean he, he can that comment about uh, you know uh, same same players, yep. or what was, was it? Different coach, same oh, coach, gosh. different players. I was going to ask you about that as well. So what do you think of that? Ridiculous, ridiculous. You, you're as a manager, you're meant to be, if anything, taking taking as as much of the flack as possible. To take it off off your boys, to take it off your players. It what was it? it was only a couple of weeks ago that, that Mourinho was saying my team lost tonight. You know my team, blah blah blah, all this. It, it, and now it's it's you've lost, not me. I've got this many trophies. I'm a winner. The problem clearly lies with you and not me. It, it, it is absolute garbage. And and if that if he thinks that that's the way to a win the players over and b win the fans over. Then, then the guy is, is an absolute moron and he, he needs to get out of the club as soon as possible. Right, to lighten the mood, I've got some Joe Linton stats for you, Cole. Here we go. Premier League appearances, <laughs> 62. Out of those 62, he scored four goals. Of those four goals, he scored two against Tottenham, which means his Tottenham goal percentage is 50%. And when he doesn't play Tottenham, it takes him 30 games to get a single goal. Now, when you read those and you see him score on Sunday, you don't know whether to laugh or cry, do you? Yeah, I heard he was in the change room after singing Can I Play You Every Week, um, you know, out, out the changing room for us. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, we, we've got, but we always seem to have this, don't we, Dan? I think it was the Fulham, the Fulham guy, who was the guy who scored against us at um, home this season um, for Fulham. Can and then he went on about a five-game run where he had about four sitters skying them over the bar, couldn't hit the target for love nor money. Yet you go, that's typical, isn't it? But soon as you soon as you come and play Spurs, you turn into prime Diego Maradona. Um, can't miss for love nor money. And Joel Linton's just another one that you can add to the list. You know, I'm always waiting every time a bloke scores against us. You normally hear, and that's his first Premier League goal or his first goal for 17 years. And you go, yeah, 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 that that's typical. Always against Spurs, that'll happen. Um, the only thing is, he actually, we actually made him look really good. You know, on Sunday, he was causing us so many problems, winning flick-ons, winning headers, holding the ball up. And you're thinking, we are turning this guy into prime Alan Shearer here right now, um, where the defenders seem scared of him. But as you say, next week, he won't score again this season, probably. Um, and that just sums it all up, doesn't it? But that kind of goes about what we're saying, isn't it? When you look at that stat after this game, that that's the most shots Newcastle have had um, in a single game, that tells you everything about the way we're playing right now and the fact that well, when you're making a team like that look as good as they were in that game, the problem is down to you. It, that, that wasn't Newcastle being that good. That was just Spurs being Spurs right now. Uh, and at the moment, a team that's just a void of all confidence. And the minute you get the impression an opposition get a sniff, 
you just fear the worst is always going to happen. And we all knew that equaliser was coming, didn't we? You know, it, it was just written. You're just sitting there thinking, as long as we don't get a third, you can just sense we know what's coming. They'll catch us. It'll be a set play. We'll get caught out. We'll make a mistake. And as it was, it turned out. But, yeah, those stats now, you'd have to laugh because otherwise you cry. Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the stats, 22 shots for Newcastle. And now that's not as if Callum Wilson was there and had the game of his life. That's, as James said, a rather weaker attack line. You've got Dwight Gale, who's what, five foot nine? I, I don't know his exact height, but he's not tall by any stretch of the imagination. And he's got Davinson Sanchez on toast for the afternoon. <laughs> so you're thinking, like, what is going on? And Carl, you correctly referenced that by not going 3-1 up, there's that nagging voice in the back of your head that's getting louder and louder and louder. And James, the reason really we didn't go 3-1 up, well, a combination of factors, but I think personally the main one was Eric Lamella. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Eric Lamella and his lack of a right foot. And someone on Twitter then said, well, it doesn't really matter if he scores goals. But I'd like to bring Exhibit A to the jury. And that phase of play, when it's so open for him to go right and he goes left, is one of the most frustrating things you can see as a Spurs fan. It is, it is. Uh, and again, I go back to my earlier point, footballing brain. Um, you know, it just makes absolutely no sense because it, you, it's it's those split second decisions that that our players seem to get wrong. And it, you know, that's a decision that that should be so simple to weigh up. Look, you've got uh, you've got Holman uh, Son there, one of the fastest players in a straight line in the league, who's got his head in the ground going as fast as he can to, to beat his defender there. Whoever that defender is, I don't care who he is. He's not catching him. That is a decision that a top, well, not even a top quality player, an above average footballer will see. And they'll see that's Sonny. He's in no problem on his right foot. They're, they're the chances that he takes every time. Lamella is just, he's always that 10, you know, 10 seconds synaptic delay away from, making the right decision uh very you know this is the thing about you know footballers if you make a snap decision your quality will shine through if you have got that quality look i mean look at the rabona for god's sake that's you know that's a that's eric lamella not thinking about something and doing it instinctively you know i, I read something this week about uh about timo Werner. was it too cool told him not to not to practice shooting because he's overthinking things he, you know he's a, he's a much better footballer when he's playing uh, you know, off the cuff, and and that that has to be the the same thing for for our players. Lamella, if if he doesn't think about that, and he just plays what's in front of him, then he makes that pass every single time. But you know, he's probably thinking, oh, okay, well that's going to take the defender away. That's going to open it up for me on my left foot. And by the time all of this has happened, Newcastle are back, and and you know they're they're they're, they're set. And they're the decisions that that cost us the game. You know, that one decision. Um, you know, there's there's more obviously throughout the game, small decisions mainly in defence, mainly trying to play out from the back. Um, but even still, you know, it, it's we should just be playing what's in front of us. And uh, and I think you know it's it's it is things like that that mean that that Eric Lamella, you know, probably won't be a Tottenham player for much longer because he you know he he just hasn't got that quality. Uh, and and we have too many players like that. You know, some of them need to go at some point. Cole. For a player who's been at the club for nearly eight years, how do you get away with not training to use your right foot? And I mean that in genuine 
seriousness, how can a player get away with being so one-footed? Surely there must be a point where the manager or managers across his time think, do you know what, actually, we need to get him working on some sort of variability with his feet. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you say it, Dan, because I have to admit, it, it's a conversation. I watch most of our games with my dad. Um, and it's one thing that we always say to one another, you know, surely as a professional footballer, if you've got any weakness in your game, you've got all the time in the world to work on that weakness. And, you know, if heading was your weakness, you would think, wouldn't you, that it's take a bag of balls, get out there, this bloke's going to throw the ball in the air and you're just going to head them back to him, head them back to him, head them back to him. And if that takes a few weeks, but we're going to gradually start getting you more comfortable in the air, heading a ball back to someone, you would think you should be able to improve easily, shouldn't you? Because you've got the talent, you've obviously got the technique, you've got supposedly the best coaches and the best football brains that money can buy. So, yeah, how does a guy get away with going so long where it's clear, well, this bloke can't use that foot. Okay, so if I'm your manager, I'm going to get you using that foot. And you as a player should want to have the determination to think, what's my weakest part of my game? It's my left foot. Right, I'm going to go and take a bag of balls over the training pitch and I'm just going to use my left foot and hit the ball, hit the ball even if it's up against the wall. Just passing it to myself, left foot, left foot, left foot. And over time, I'll improve this. Over the course of one season, a player should be able to improve any weak part of their game, given the facilities and what they've got to hand. So, like as you say, Dan, how he has managed to go this long without wanting to sort that himself and how a football club don't monitor their players and look for weaknesses and that in their games and look to improve it, again, I think it leads to big question marks amongst the coaching staff to go, well, why haven't you tried to sort this? You know, if you're a brilliant coach, surely you're looking for the small gains. You're not teaching these blokes how to play football. That's been done. That's been done when they're in, you know, sixes, sevens, growing up. They now, you're not, you know, you're not starting from scratch with these guys, but now you're looking to make the small gains on things that you can possibly improve with these blokes. And you would think stuff like that, is things you can improve. But I look at lots of stuff like that with us at the moment, like set plays. I'd love to know what the percentage are of Spurs having free kicks on target from in and around 25 yards, because I'll guarantee you that is one of the lowest percentages you'll ever see in your life. I, you know, I love the fact every time we get a free kick around the edge of the box, these commentators go, oh, this is a free kick in a dangerous position. Not if you're a Spurs fan, it ain't, because we know what's coming. Either it's the wall or he's going well over the target. Again, where are the coaching staff in this who are going, right, get me these numbers. We're in a, we're in a game right now where stats and numbers are there at the tips of your fingers and anyone can get you any stat you like. We've not got a coaching staff going, this is really serious problem we got here because we can't take advantage of this because, yes, this should be a dangerous situation, but it never is with us. Um, so I think those sort of things all tie together. And you have got to look at the, look at the coaching that's going on at, at the training ground. And again, that goes back to performances, doesn't it? Because when you can look at the football that teams like Fulham, Brighton, they're not, yes, yes, we don't want to be Brighton down the bottom of the table. But you can't say every time you watch Brighton play, 
you look at the quality of football they're playing, the one-touch passing, the pass that goes where it was meant to go, when it was meant to go, and go, well, why can't we be that good? But that's being done on the training pitch. And as James said earlier, I think, the fact we don't have identity and brand of style of play, again, you've got to look at the training that's going on and what's happening week to week, day in, day out. And I think you tie all those things up together and you do have to start questioning what's happening down there, especially when you consider we've got the best training facilities in the world that is meant to be something that would take us to the next level. I, I see anything but that right now. Yes, the mind certainly boggles on that front. I mean, we've had a bloody good moan on this show, and if we were to play stick or twist, I think everyone would be out the door. So we'll probably push that back for whenever. But there's a more serious topic I want to end the show on, and it's a very unfortunate topic we have to chat about, but we need to, because it's racism in football once more. And it's now got into the tentacles of our club, James, because Davidson Sanchez, regardless of how you play, that kind of stuff afterwards is absolutely disgraceful. It is, it is. Um, and, you know, we we can moan to the cows can moan about Sanchez. Um, you know, he, he's been... His performances have been, you know, not good enough. He's obviously a player that a lot of people want to see sold, um, but that that should never come into it. It, it shouldn't come into it at all. Um, luckily, uh, I, I know, you know, f- for myself and I know you guys, you know, we we don't surround ourselves with those kind of people. These people who feel the need to to, to comment in the way that they comment. Um, you know that they haven't got any mates. They they've got no mates. They're sat behind a, a screen. Uh, they're sat behind a screen, not even behind a picture of themselves, behind some kind of, you know, uh, of some kind of profile picture, which means that they'll never get recognised. Um, uh, and they they lead a sad a sad sad existence. So you know, uh, obviously, you know, it's it's not part of part of the game. It should, never should be part of the game. Um, and unfortunately, it is. Um, you just you just hope to see some action because uh, you know at, at the moment it doesn't seem to be improving. It seems to be getting worse. Whether we're whether you know these people are seeing that there's there's been attention drawn to them and they can get attention by doing these things, then it's going to keep on happening. Uh, and if and if you know if it's if not if the only action that gets taken is that their their account gets suspended, well they'll just set up another one. So you know you have to you have to hope at some point that the authorities you know the social media accounts are, are going to you know bring in some kind of way uh, of of fixing this issue. I don't know how they're going to do it, but you know there's people who will be getting paid plenty of money to, to find a reason, uh, find a you know find a way of doing it. And you'd hope to think that there'll, there'll be some kind of um, some some kind of action taken to to stop this kind of thing happening because. We've been talking about it for an awful long time now, and we can say that it's a it's an awful thing. But you know, until action gets taken, it's going to keep on keep on happening. And like I say, you know, they're they're leading a sad existence, but they're 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 going to continue to get the attention that they so badly crave if, if nothing gets done about it. Well, Carl, the sad thing is that this conversation really is nothing more than noise in the grand scheme of things. Because when you look at it, what action will be taken? Like for example, that kid or whoever has done that tweet, I had a look on Twitter. And it's still live. Now, he's obviously getting the traction that he wants. Even people quote-tweeting it adds more fuel to the fire. Even if you try and police it yourself within Twitter and say, you know, you're an idiot or you're much worse, you know, with a lot more expletives, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't scratch the surface, really. So, 
you know, is this a problem that will ever go away? Are we just going to completely and always be pushing this stone up the hill only for it to roll back down again? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we, I think we will be, you know, because unfortunately there is that element of person in society, isn't there? And I, and I don't think you'll probably ever... Um, rid the world of that you know those those people that that sort of people with those views go back generations through their family doesn't it because you know they're growing up with that mindset and they're seeing you know they've got that mindset from someone else before them um and that will then continue you know whoever that mindless idiot is um as we say you know not brave enough to do it on a on a real profile um but you know, let's say if that person has a kid at some point, then you just assume that, well, if that's what that person's like, the next generation, you know, from them will be the same. So we'll never rid it, I think. But what we can do is we can make sure that that sort of person isn't allowed to ever have a social media account, isn't allowed to post it. And what we should be doing is shaming these people. You know, we should be able to find out who that is. We have got the technology. The technology is there that you can find where that's come from, um, where it's been sent from, narrow it down and find that person. And unfortunately, that's the sort of person that you want named and shamed. You want employers to know this is what this person's like. And it will only be if you ever knew there was those consequences that some of those people might then actually be too scared to actually do what they're doing because they know there would be consequences for their actions. As we said at the moment, that's a nameless account, a profile picture that you know is not that person. And chances are, as you say, Dan, it'll never, it'll never be found. What's worse as well is you've got these social media platforms that, as you say, that account's still live. But you'll have had someone who's called him out and maybe, yes, use an expletive to call him out, who will have had their account suspended for for a couple of weeks now. Yet you go, OK, so they're suspended, but this person, you're still allowed to keep this this person's account live. Yeah, they're still allowed to keep that and keep going. And when you do finally suspend that account, they're just allowed to create another one the next day. Um, which you question how, because you've got to put something like a mobile phone number in to, to, to verify your account. I just think it's crazy. And, you know, I know we spoke earlier, Dan, on another pod, but I think now the only way you really get rid of this is the social media platforms themselves taking a bigger interest and actually taking more of a stance on this and doing what they need to. As we said, they might moan we don't have the capabilities but as we said earlier when you're suspending people's account because they use the five second clip of some music or a video clip that's been copyrighted they're able to track that down and suspend you they can do a lot more with these people who are, who are posting this sort of stuff on social media and on their platform um but i think it's something we're just you know we don't want to live with it but i think we're going to have to because it's going to be there we can just hope that you know the decent humans among us can kind of make someone like davidson sanchez that's just hope he knows there are more spurs fans who yes we might not particularly rate the guy and his football and we might not want him to play for us again but we don't want it you know no one wants him to go through what he's gone through there and you know we'll all support him with this sort of stuff um and you just have to hope that that does more good than these 
you know, idiot thugs and this minority that are causing all these problems at the moment. Absolutely agree there, Cole. But James, one final point on the same kind of topic. Cole mentions the platforms. And as I said to Cole earlier, if you're a black footballer, be it at Tottenham or at any club, you're only a goal or a bad mistake away from another torrent of social media abuse. You know, Sanchez could have another bad game of the weekend, as an example. Turns on his phone. Here we go again. The problem's not going away anytime soon, is it? No, it's not at all. And, and look, football's always been a, a game of opinions. You know, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, there, there'll be a lot of people probably older than me who, who can remember a time where, where the abuse was, was simply just when they were on the field. And now it's, you know, with social media, uh, it, it's it's a it's a blessing in that we, you know, we get to feel closer to our, to our footballers. Uh, they get to they get to interact with with us as fans, and and you know you, you can remember that they're you know they're real people, but you know there's also this massive massive downfall in that people you know can say what they want and they can put across their views no matter how abhorrent they are, and you know this this is something that is going to rage on, and, and and no one really has a, a straight up answer to to how how we get round it. Um, Look, there needs to be some kind of accountability behind, you know, what you're saying. Um, how to police that? You know, as I say, there'll be someone out there being paid millions of pounds who will have a better, a better theory than we can come up with about that. But there needs to be some kind of accountability. If you're going to say something that, you know, just because you're behind a screen, if you, you know, you wouldn't say that to someone in the street. So why do you think it's okay to say it to them over a screen? Uh, you know, and if you do say that, then we're going to treat it as as a, a verbal assault or, you know, uh, you know, hate speech or something along those lines. You know, there there has to be some kind of consequence because at the moment people are realising that they can create an account, they can throw some abuse, they can get that account suspended, and then they can just set up another one. Uh, and and you you know, it was absolutely right. You know, if my my I've had I've been. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, I, I've been on the wrong side of it. I, I you know, I, I had my first uh, Twitter account suspended uh, indefinitely for posting Deli Ali scoring against Leicester. You know that 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 seems to be more of a priority to the social media companies than uh, than people who are who are actively abusing pe- uh, you know other people, whether they be whether they be celebrities or not. So um, you're right, Danny. It's something that's going to rage on um, and. It's it's something that that it hasn't just got a quick fix. It's got to be something drastic. It's got to be something that um, that that does hold these people accountable. Um, but unfortunately, at the moment, it is something that we're going to have to deal with because it's not as I say, it's not going to be a quick fix. Well, when you think of Twitter, it is actually a great place because it allows us to do this show. It allows us to become friends. You know, we didn't know each other beforehand. It gives us a platform to talk to other Tottenham fans, etc., etc. It is great. But it's also a disgusting place to be. It's really toxic at times, and that's only a small part of it. But, you know, we could be here all night talking about Twitter and its ills, but we need to wrap up the show. And to do that, Manchester United predictions. I know it's been a tough week, but hey, let's go again. So, Carl, what have you got for me? Can we get the better of United and give our top four hopes any chance of a revival? You know what? I I, I fancy a draw in this one, possibly another 1-1. Um, I just can't see us again. This is one of them games where it's an opportunity to kind of beat one of those bigger sides, you know, make a statement. I just can't see us being able to get it. So I'm fighting between a draw and a defeat, but I'll go for a 1-1 draw.
Okay, mate. James, what have you got? Uh, I'm, I can't be quite as positive. Uh, I'm afraid. I, I'm. I, I think we will score. I think we've we've probably got enough going forward. Um, you know, when we inevitably go one nil down, I think you'll see us come out, and I think we we will score against this against this Man United defence, especially with Harry Harry playing uh, the way that he's playing. Sonny hopefully back in starting eleven. Um, but I'm going to go for ultimately a, a two-one loss. I think we haven't got enough at the back to to, main, to, to, to deal with what, what United have got going forward. Okay, then I'm going to wrap it up with a two-two draw. I think the mixture of both your reasons will see us break even. But in the grand scheme of things, I think that might rudder our top four hopes for good, which will make for a good podcast next week. But anyway, that is next week. We need to wrap up this one, and that's as simple as doing the admin, which is as simple as thanking my two Pod Squad members for a fantastic chat tonight, and I do genuinely mean that. So, James, thank you for your time this evening. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for having us, Dan. Not a problem. And, Cole, thank you for running the channels this evening around the captain's armband. I hope you'll be with me next Monday. Yeah, Will, always a pleasure chatting football, you guys. So, as, as much as this pains me to say, I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> More free therapy. Right, so with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.